Before we dive into this episode, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you love listening to this show, please take a second and leave a review. It'll help boost the show so that others struggling in a toxic workplace can find it. Thanks. The weirdest thing about my experience with where I first started out in my toxic workplace life was I actually got so much out of that workplace. Like I was able to find a lot of good and positive that propelled me into where I am now. This is Jessica. Jessica started her career as a buyer in merchandising and eventually made her way into the human resources side of business. But I never got a chance and I never felt right because I never had a chance to just like have justice, so to speak. I don't know that justice, what justice looks like. And I don't actually feel comfortable exposing a prior workplace because In the HR world, everybody talks. You kind of get nervous. You don't want anybody to talk badly about you. It's your job and also your reputation. So that's how you're intimidated into not saying anything, right? I would have loved to have been given the chance to say something because I just wanted to tell my truth. Exposing the truth without upsetting corporate pleasantries and politics is challenging, especially when those involved are unable to hear the message or aren't willing to listen to the underlying issues. Because, simply put, they're a part of the issue. But Jessica's struggle with speaking her truth about the actions and opinions within her company would eventually lead her to a new understanding of her power within the workplace. My name's Carly, and this is Toxic Workplace, a podcast that gives a platform to those who have survived a highly toxic work experience, only to come out with newfound wisdom and a renewed sense of self. A toxic workplace is more than just the daily grind. It's a soul-crushing experience that will chip away at your sanity until you're about to lose your mind. It's an abusive relationship that's hard to leave. And the longer you stay, the more you lose sight of who you set out to be. I had an interesting college experience where I studied marketing, communications, and mass media studies. I then went and worked at a small local boutique for a while and I became a store manager and I did all of the hiring, training, retail buying. And so I found that my passion was retail. It actually runs in my family and I wanted to go to New York. And so went to New York. I found my dream job. I mean, I was so excited to be chosen for an interview for this company. I was just like, the stars are aligned. My direct manager was very calm, very nice, very just genuine. Um, it was basically me and her who ran the categories that we ran together. And I had a blast working with her because I thought that we complimented each other really well. I like how she treated me. I liked how she trusted me. I felt very supported by her. And we had a really good bond. And it didn't feel like she was my boss. It more so felt like she was like my business partner. We were amongst a team of maybe like eight others that all made up the merchant team at the company. So all of the merchants all had different categories that they were focused on. And our job was to find product and put them on this website and get sales. And the burden of being able to get cool things in all the time 
fell on this team and we worked really, really hard. Jessica and her direct manager worked well together because they both worked really hard and lifted each other up and supported each other's ideas. But putting ideas out on the floor to be openly criticized or rejected by other buyers was a challenge. Not only for the fact that it sucks when other people shoot down your idea, but these other buyers seem to purposely say no to Jessica and her manager's ideas just because it came from them. The thing that I noticed that made it not fun and not sustainable for me anymore, and I felt like, okay, I'm kind of, I'm done with retail buying. The expectations and the treatment from the management just felt very lacking, especially in comparison to other departments. It felt like our department was given a lot of unrealistic metrics and goals to hit Myself and my direct manager, we would be doing well in certain areas of our business, but we just noticed there was a lot of push to prove ourselves, come up with a lot of reporting to explain ourselves. There's a lot of pushback on items that we wanted to sell. I was specifically given the task of finding items for a subcategory, and I noticed that every time I presented my items in our weekly sample meeting, like it was the, the worst meeting. It got worse and worse with, with time because the other buyers would be like picking on the thing that we would really like and we wanted to bring into the assortment. And if everybody hated your item, then you couldn't put it into the assortment. And that felt silly because it wasn't the same treatment for every single person. If one person was kind of like the golden goose or whatever, then everything that they brought into the assortment was approved. And even if that item became a flop, nobody said anything to that person. It was weird. We actually started coming up with tricks so that we could trick people into telling us yes. We would come up with a bunch of items that sucked and then we would have a few that were good so that people would approve the good ones. The other buyers were being catty about the merchandise Jessica and her manager were selecting. After a while, Jessica started to incorporate products from black artists and artisans into her assortment of products. These products were also specifically passed over, which became obvious the more Jessica pushed for these products to be chosen. There wasn't a lot of Black people who were in our assortment. We had a huge artisan community. And so I remember being really embarrassed when I would be so excited because we used to go to shows and we would find items for other people's categories too. And we would say, oh, oh my God, I just found this really great whatever. Take a look at it. Maybe you want this for your category. And I would get so embarrassed when I would run into people and I knew that their items were never approved or picked up because I knew that there was this weird bias against Black makers because usually what would, the case would be that they didn't have enough capital to meet our payment terms. We had ridiculous payment terms. I don't know. It was I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but systematic bias and microaggressions, it's just bigger than you can even explain. And so... As a Black woman working on this team, I got to be very demoralized having to be a representative of this team and not feeling like I could look at somebody outside of the team and give a really a, a good explanation for why there weren't more Black makers in our assortment. Systemic bias is when an organization or institution have rules and procedures in place that support a specific outcome, and that outcome doesn't encompass minority groups. The requirements make it harder or sometimes impossible for minority groups to be included, like in this instance, having strict, unrelenting payment terms. 
But there's also an intrinsic bias happening here with the other buyers. And since intrinsic bias is harder to call out, Jessica had to sit back and watch high potential products made by black artisans get passed up and then be the letdown when she ran into these artisans and had to tell them they were passed up without a good explanation. Racism is a hard issue for people to talk about, especially when you're one of only a few black people within a company. It took a lot of courage for Jessica to share this next part with me, and she said it was something that had been weighing on her for a long time. The issue she experienced centers around racism and how the insensitivity of key people within this company brought to light an underlying bias towards black people and ignorance on racism. It was a pivotal experience, not just within this company, but on Jessica's path to finding her truth and having the courage to defend it. So I'm on the merchant team. I have a great relationship with my manager and so much so that she gives me so much autonomy and she basically tells me I can come to the meetings that I want to come to. I don't have to be in all of the meetings that she's in. I one day decided to go with her to a meeting I didn't typically go to. And it was a meeting involving the product development team. And they were making a book that was going to live in our category. And I will never forget this, but I'm sitting at the head of the conference table and there's a projector in front of me. And they say, okay, we're going to start showing you guys covers for the civil rights history book that we're putting together. And I go, there's a civil rights history book being made by this company. Okay. So then I got nervous because I was like, what the hell? I don't know why I got nervous, but I just got nervous. I didn't know about this book. And I didn't think that that was a good thing that I didn't know about this book. They're creating a book for our categories. I probably would say that meeting had like 14 people in the room because they were all making decisions on these items that we were bringing in. And they want to review the covers for this civil rights book. So I look on the freaking projector across from me. I'm sitting at the head of the table. It was so creepy. I see a cover and it's people getting arrested by cops in their like Sunday best black people from like basically black people that look like they were protesting and were getting arrested. And my whole entire body like froze. I couldn't talk. It's awful. It's the weirdest thing, but I would describe the feeling I felt of like being humiliated. And that's not right that I felt that way. I felt awful. I felt like, why would you ever put an image like that in front of me? Like, it was almost like seeing my own family being brutalized in front of like my colleagues. I just was not okay when I saw that. And so then I'm just like shook. I don't think anybody even noticed. And I'm the only Black person in the room, mind you. And they asked for feedback on the covers. I just sat there thinking, come on, does nobody else see this? And somebody from my team goes, well, it's kind of negative. And as soon as she said that, the head of the department cuts her off and is like, well, you know, we went through a lot of images and a lot of people said that they like this one. And she would typically do that. She would get so defensive when she was defending things that she wanted and she was making a case for it. And because she agreed, like came back at her with that much energy of course I'm not gonna say shit because I'm not feeling comfortable and she's 
like this woman who feels like she's going to eat me alive if I say one thing. And I get back to my desk and you know, I have this good relationship with my manager. So I look at my manager and I say, I wonder how she would feel if people that look like her were on that screen getting arrested. My manager's face, like her mouth dropped open and it's not my personality. And so the fact that that fell out of my mouth, I knew something was really wrong. I couldn't figure out how to navigate this, especially at work. I'm not trying to have emotions at work, but I was getting super upset. And the more that I thought about it and the more that I imagined this book being released and my name being associated with it, I felt terrified. I didn't want any Black person that I knew to know that I knew that that book was going into circulation. Okay, I want you to take a minute and imagine being Jessica in this situation. She's the only Black person in a room of white people, all of whom have seniority over her within the company, and the cover they're deciding on for a civil rights history book is a derogatory depiction of one of the most profound and monumental movements of equality in American history. An arrest signifies that someone was breaking the law. It carries a negative connotation. And not to turn this into a history lesson, but the civil rights movement is known for its peaceful protests, sit-ins, and nonviolent marches. It's a sensitive subject, especially for those who had loved ones that experienced the long, oppressive road leading up to the civil rights movement. So you can understand why seeing this insensitive image would shake Jessica to her core. After the meeting, Jessica wanted to get a better idea of what was inside the book, and this didn't help the situation. And then that tells you what people really think of the civil rights movement, and so then If I see something, I can't just not do something. But I felt so tortured because I didn't want to have to do something. But I was like, okay, do you not want to have to do something? Or do you want to do something and at least try, Jessica? But I started saying something to managers and nobody was doing anything about it. And then I was like, wait, this book is about to get ready to be put out. So no, that can't happen. And then I got more adamant about it. And then I asked, can I please just see the content of this book and to know more about this book? Because I'm really uncomfortable. And the table of contents was full of such triggering words, things like lynching, things like violence. But I went through and I highlighted and I made myself a colored grid of how many times there was violence in the table of contents and Obama violence and Obama. And I thought to myself, Obama isn't the face of the civil rights movement. Are you joking me? I was asked for my opinion. I gave it. Nothing was really happening. Then I kept asking for something to happen, like things needed to change. And I was making everybody uncomfortable that I wasn't just like shutting up. I could tell. Then I go, what if I found better material for you to put in this book? so that you can replace some of this. And they said, okay. So then I had to go on my side and do research and like help them make the book not so bad because it wasn't a choice for the book not to happen. While doing all of this, of course, my horror and shock and being upset at the cover and being shown that image, that got escalated to HR. And that's how I found myself in the office of the department head of the product development team. Well, The woman 
had me in her office and told me I don't see color. She just was not evolved enough to realize telling me that she doesn't see color wasn't the solution. Later on, I did a training for the entire company on unconscious bias and diversity. It somehow came to me to do that, which is funny because of the story I just told. And she actually hung back from our session and she told myself and the trainer who I had brought in to conduct the learning for the entire organization, she said, you know, Jessica and I, we had a situation and I like to think that we moved on from it. And of course, I'm going to say, yeah, of course we did. For some reason, she really wanted to say, but I don't think it's a bad thing to say that I just don't see color. And my trainer actually had some eloquent professional thing to say to her, but I couldn't even believe that she was bringing that back up. And it made me feel like, oh my God, this organization, I definitely can't stay stay here because I feel like I've re- opened my mouth too many times. I don't know. I just felt like there was like some sort of vengeance. Like, why would you bring that up again? Saying that you don't see color is basically saying you don't recognize someone's heritage. For the record, it's not racist to notice the color of someone's skin. And ultimately, this is used as a tactic to dodge racism altogether, which isn't going to solve anything. Remember that most people are proud of their heritage, who they are, and where they come from. This is a delicate topic because no one wants to be accused of being racist. But this is an important message for people to hear. We can't move past racism if people aren't willing to have conversations and be open-minded. And so, sadly, I felt like I stupidly made myself the perfect target to being let go in the way that I was because of speaking up. I felt like it caught up with me finally, and I think I got a little paranoid, too. After the civil rights book, Jessica was feeling uncomfortable in her role as a buyer. So when an opening in the HR department became available, she saw it as an opportunity for a transition. She had already been with the company for about three years, and she was sociable and well-liked amongst the staff. She also wanted to be a part of the change that she felt the company needed. I read the job description, and I actually had been friendly with the person who was previously in the job. And I was actually super friendly with a few people in HR. And so I thought to myself, oh my God, I'm supposed to be working in HR. That's actually what I'm supposed to be doing. So then I I transferred within the company. My new boss was newer to the company. And when she realized how closely I was tied to the culture and how many connections I had made, and I had had HR incidents where I reported them to her. And I thought that she seemed like somebody who was the type of HR person that the company needed. And so I got excited to work with her because I thought we can get this company in shape on the HR side of things. I went onto her team and knowing my old department head was problematic. I'll just say she was super toxic. So imagine me leaving that mess of a department and going to HR. Of course, everybody's looking at me like, what the hell was going on in that department? Why is everybody dropping like flies? What is happening? And I'm sitting there like, I don't want my brand new boss to know that I came from such a shit (laughs) team. And I don't want to have to like lie to her. So I'm just shutting up. I know too much. I need to look out for number one. And on top of that, I'm going to do the best that I can to help get things righted. But I'm not going to put myself in a position to be like, for this woman to come after me. This is when I knew that, for lack of a better word, that I was truly fucked. (laughs) Was When I was on the HR team, 
And my new boss came up to me like day two of me officially being on her team to let me know that my old boss complained about something that I did. And she basically reprimanded me and took the side of my old department head. I just thought, I just have to prove to this woman that I'm not a part of whatever that was on that team. Let's get focused. Let's do some good work together. The tone at the top almost always sets the tone for the rest of the company. I was curious as to what the CEO of the company was like, so I asked Jessica to delve into the workings of the CEO and his presence in the company. I think people were too concerned with not um, pissing off whoever it seemed to be the most powerful. And the most powerful were the people that were the closest to the CEO. One of the first meetings that I had when I was just starting out way back when, I went into a meeting where we were celebrating a milestone of a senior leader and the CEO starts crying in the meeting and I go, oh, wow. And actually my old boss warned me. She warned me. She goes, I don't want you to be shocked, but um, he likes to cry. And I thought, okay. He did this at every company meeting. He would get choked up. and But the thing that I liked was he would get choked up and he would be thanking us and saying he couldn't, the company was better because of us. He's like, I couldn't, I wouldn't be here without you all. And I used to feel like appreciated. I used to feel like he gets it. He gets that we make this happen and I feel appreciated. And I actually don't mind the tears because I, at least I'm getting gratitude and I really loved that. But then, you know, when you look at something and you're trying to force it to be something that it's not, I thought to my, I'm like, no, those are genuine tears for years. I would say that. No, no, those are genuine tears. So one day I was out of my rosy glasses. Like, I don't know what, I was more in a cynical mood. And my boss, my current, my manager, my partner, my business partner manager that I really enjoyed working with goes, did he cry again? And she said it in a way where she was like over it. And she never was said anything disparaging about people. Like she wasn't that person. She would typically just be super honest. So it wasn't like she was saying it in a way to be disparaging. It was in a way where like, okay, come on. And I thought to myself, hmm, you know, she's right. He does cry a lot. And so I stared at him crying when he did it again. And I thought to myself, Jessica, have you ever seen tears fall from those eyes? And I really could not say that I had. And so that shook me. And so then, of course, the next time it happened, I was staring and I was just like, why? Why do you cry every single time? And then on top of that, why don't I feel comfortable crying at work? What's that about? Why do I feel like I have to hold my emotions in, but he gets to like have a cry fest whenever he wants? Am I being cynical and I'm saying like men can't cry? Or is it that I feel like something else is happening here? And I won't really know the answer to that question, but I would bet on the fact that those were not genuine tears. I felt like they were a manipulation tactic to make people feel something, feel more loyalty or feel more connected with this person. When we see someone crying, it naturally triggers empathy and a sense of emotional connection to the crier. Jessica was no exception and had good intuition. The CEO's bouts of crying pulled at her heartstrings at first. And I would imagine it touched the hearts of other employees as well. But the fact that she couldn't see any real tears and that his body language signified that it was inauthentic 
tells me that this was a manipulation tactic to deceive his employees that he was empathetic and relatable. His actions would prove otherwise. I feel like he is just super insecure. This man was always around and he made it a point to be one of the first ones in and one of the last ones out. He actually was somebody who was very involved, but almost to a fault because he was a micromanager and he would follow around the merchants at trade shows and kind of make it difficult for us to have authority with the vendors because then he would come in and he would kind of throw things around. He would mess with our negotiations. He would tell us that we had to get something that we didn't feel passionate about. Even when we complained about some folks, like we would say, like, this vendor is always makes us really uncomfortable and he always says really gross things to us. He didn't go out of his way to tell us to not to work with that person. I never felt comfortable working alongside him. I knew that he had said disparaging things about a former colleague who also was one of like the only black merchants and she left the company and she had an exit interview where she was super honest with him. And I was told after her exit interview that he said she's really negative. And I found that to be really shocking that he would say that about her because I didn't think her to be negative. And I also didn't like that he put that out there about her because if the CEO says something about somebody, you know that everybody else is just going to follow suit and think that about that person. It's called defamation. You're not supposed to like talk negatively about people. I didn't want to interact with him myself, but I always would be fascinated by how people would react and act around him. I noticed he had a way with women and I noticed he had a way with getting folks to bend over backwards for him. And my boss was a huge person that he would have in his pocket. I mean, to the point where when he came on the scene, we were supposed to do a lot of extras to make his life easier. And it felt like she went out of her way to make him feel supported. I can't say that that wasn't her job. She is the HR person. They formed such a huge bond that I didn't feel like I understood where her allegiances were. Jessica's manager in the HR department catered to the insecurities of the CEO and was manipulative in her own way. She would gossip and talk poorly about Jessica's co-workers that she once worked alongside as a buyer, of whom she was still friends with. This felt purposeful, as though her boss was trying to get Jessica to spill the tea or engage in toxic conversation. She seemed like she wanted to make an agenda happen. I was for it, and I was actually really impressed with her when she had handled a few HR matters that I was involved in. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm really appreciative of the support she gave me, so I would like to work with her. I think that I can trust her. Well... When I got on her team and I started noticing that she liked to make little side comments about people, kind of warned me about who I should be talking to and who I shouldn't be talking to. I didn't like that. That felt very weird to me. And it felt very like she has her favorites. You want to be chosen. Or if you're not chosen, she ha- she doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And you might be somebody that leaves. And so I kept just saying yes to things. I kept trying to prove myself to my new boss. She overloaded me. She put the responsibility of diversity and inclusion on me solely, but I kind of didn't want diversity and inclusion. Like I wanted to just exist. 
Jessica was feeling overwhelmed. She had to do the hiring, manage employee relations, be a liaison to corporate partners, and juggle all the administration for her work. On top of the stress, the company tasked her with the diversity and inclusion initiative and basically used her as their token diverse employee, when really she just wanted to exist and focus on her work. The day after George Floyd happened and I just wanted to come to work and just like be invisible, I was pulled into several meetings where I was being asked my opinion on what to do to make the organization look good. Instead of them just knowing what to do or them just like deciding to do something and being like, this is what we're going to stand for. This is the statement we're going to put out. And I kept saying, I think we need to kind of slow down what we promised because this is a lot right now. I think we need to internally just like let people heal, let people go through it. Life is crazy right now. I don't have the juice to give you guys what you want. That was met with, well, then you're just not doing your job, basically. And I was also just the way that I, you know, found myself outside of the company was been several weeks of me just like not being able to hit metrics that I felt I didn't even agree to some of the metrics, but I was told I wasn't hitting my metrics. It was heartbreaking to me that I just wasn't getting support. And I was watching other people get the support that I was craving so badly. It felt like I was like the unfavored stepchild. And I really just wanted people to believe in me and just like help me out and also give me some grace because I was having a really hard time with figuring out where I wanted to be with diversity related work, but also being a black person who was like suffering. Like I was so miserable in my skin because I just felt like I had to prove myself. But at the same time, I was tired of doing that. I did, I just wanted to exist and just be accepted. And I didn't want to do a bunch of work to make a bunch of people feel good about themselves and not really do much with that work. I wanted to protect my own professional life, but I was being pulled in all of these different directions. Jessica felt stuck in a situation that made her feel she was losing touch with why she was there in the first place. She was singled out and propped up in a position she never asked to be in. Meanwhile, her workload was daunting and she didn't feel like her normal bubbly self. It killed her spirit. Instead of giving Jessica the support she needed, her boss was critical and accusative that Jessica was purposely ignoring her duties. The final straw for Jessica was when her boss instructed her to send out an upward performance review to a manager. She sends it. And then her boss got angry and questioned her as to why she would send it. She comes to my meeting pissed as hell. And she basically told me, I was going to save this for your performance review next week. But I just need you to know, I am not happy. And you need to figure out a way to get me to trust you again. And you need to come up with a plan. And you need to have it prepared for a performance review discussion next week. I started sobbing. She then stayed on with me comforting me telling me I can tell you're trying so hard I know you care I know you really care but I just I'm so I'm not happy I thought about it and I was like well I can't work for her anymore because she told me basically in not so many words I don't really want to work with you I don't trust you and I don't want to fire you but that's where you're heading so you either fire yourself or you come up with a way to make me feel like you're remorseful or I don't even know what the hell she was trying to get out of me. And she was mad because I didn't like chase her down and find her to send this thing out. And I'm like torn because I'm trying not to piss her off not one more time. After this incident with her boss, 
Jessica finally put in her notice and exited the company. She went to stay with her parents and being around her family reminded her of who she was and they lifted her spirit. I just feel like myself again and I feel like people treating me like I know what I'm doing, reminding me of who I was. And it was such a relief to leave. I just came and I'm I'm like with my parents now and it's been so nice because I just needed to be safe. I felt so like I didn't know who I was. I didn't feel confident about my abilities. And I just wanted to not have to like prove myself to any of that one more person. So I came home and I got exactly that and I felt confident enough to jump into another job. I just was like, I have to, I have to work again. You know, I'm still a person who's so HR driven. Like I want, this is my career path. I don't know if it necessarily is going to always be titled HR, but it's always going to be something around supporting people in a strategic and empathetic and compassionate way in the interest of having us all go home and better our lives, not just with our paychecks, but like the opportunities that we have in front of us, whether it be a company that can give you access to amazing healthcare or help you in developing your professional skills. You know, the best thing in life is when you can actually like graduate and leave something and then look back at it fondly and say, I really loved working there. Enduring adversity and allowing it to strengthen your character Build your confidence and find your voice is one of the mysteries of life. Because when you're going through it, it feels awful. But when you come out the other side with increased awareness and insight, you realize how capable you really are. Jessica's time at this toxic workplace gave her a new perspective on how vital human resources is to the operations of a business. She now understands the importance of boundaries and the power of speaking with integrity. Jessica currently works as a recruiter in human resources. She's passionate about the future of HR and the impact it will have to shape the way we do business. Sometimes inspiration comes from our hardest moments. The things that break us down become the propellers we use to fuel our passions. next time on Toxic Workplace. But the CEO acted like she was surprised and shocked by everyone's behavior. She knew everything going on. And what blew my mind by the end of me being there was like, why would you want people to hate each other this much? It was horrible, to be honest, because the thing is, I couldn't trust anybody. It felt like every time I talked to Lena, I was being monitored. Yeah, they basically created a gossip culture. And HR was at the at center, the center of, that. of that. Half of my day went into writing this giant email that she expected to have at the end of the day, every day, basically outlining what other people were doing. And they knew that I knew that, that they were lies. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Do you have a story you'd like to share on our show? Go to ToxicWorkplacePodcast.com and click on Be a Guest. Fill out the submission information and we'll be in contact. Your story will be told anonymously. All names are changed to protect the privacy of the company and its employees. We look forward to hearing from you.